I would know what the song would be about and what the theme for the show would be. And, okay. and I can kind of get us there. Good morning. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. Obviously, I am not Merle Coombs. My name is Pam Hunter, and I'm sitting in his chair, and I've got beside me the garden goddess, Cass Smythe, and uh, you are definitely going to be taking the majority I'm not Merle either. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Well, I don't know. Careful, he's listening. He is probably listening from us. So we are here to take your garden calls. If you'd like to give us a shout, 974-8255. That's 403-974-8255. That's also the text line if you want to shoot us a text. And you can also send us pictures through that text line. And we are taking your calls. Now, Kath, we are, of course, on Grey Cup Sunday. That's that's the Keith Urban tune for me. Yes. And uh, are you watching the game? No. <laughs> um, I'm not forced to, so I won't. But I do have hopes for a certain team. I was going to say, are you are you cheering for anybody in particular? Well, I I kind of thought Winnipeg, just because they're at least closer west. There's just a little bit tiny and closer to us. Yeah. yeah, a little closer west. And you know the reason I don't watch is I'm a jinx. Oh, oh. whoever I hope for doesn't win, so I don't watch. Okay, so go Hamilton is what you're. Yeah, doing. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, whoever I'm hoping for will. Well, who's ever going to make it? Okay. Yes. Well, I, I must admit, I'm not really a, a sports person myself. I don't really follow football. My husband does, and I've yes. got lots of family who are football fans, and I know they're all going to be trying to catch the game tonight. Um, and I, I'm sort of like you. I'm not really cheering for anybody in particular, so no. maybe if you're going to take Winnipeg, I'll take Hamilton. All right. Well, we'll <laughs> talk later. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> so let's taking a look at our gardens outside. Um well, clearly they're under quite a bit of snow, but we're hoping this moisture kind of melts and sticks around for a bit. Oh, yes, we certainly are. We went into fall extremely dry, and I can't say it enough that we need this snow and we need it to melt in slowly, which actually it's doing. And you we know, are supposed to get a little bit more later this coming week. That's what I saw. Is this what we, we should be snow farming this stuff, though, as much as well, we possibly we can. can? I mean, and we should. We should be shoveling it in and under our spruces and our pines and onto our perennial beds to try and hold as much moisture as possible. And that's the really crucial messaging about it and keeping the moisture there. And I usually tend to like to throw scoops of snow on everything before anybody gets on my driveway with ice melter or oh, road okay, salt without or any anything. of the chemicals or yeah. salts on. Okay. Yeah, I sort of pay a little bit of attention. So I'll run out and I'll shovel off the part where the tire treads are and I'll shove that over yeah. down at the bottom. But the rest I try to ranch into my gardens as much as I can. And I'm I'm kind of a maniac. I stand in the backyard and do my overhead weight training by throwing shovels of snow <laughs> onto the birch. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I got told a very interesting uh, tip from one of my neighbors, actually. He was shoveling walks. And instead of shoveling, your, everybody throws the snow onto the sidewalk or like off the sidewalk onto the road yeah. so that it would drain and go down. He says, turn around and put it onto your lawn. The more water we can capture and moisture we can capture on our property, the more moisture we're saving. Okay. And that's really crucial to our gardens. And honestly... If the snow, if we ever get a high pile of snow, yeah, we may have to shovel some off onto the road. But there again, you're blocking your parking, you're blocking the roadway. And then just think what it's doing down to that water drain down to the river. That's true. I never even yeah. think of that. Well, and most of the drains, honestly, in my neighborhood freeze up fairly quickly. So then all of a yes. sudden you're getting that giant pile of well, ice I live dam. Well, I live on a cul-de-sac in the bottom of the cul-de-sac. Oh. They, they, they plow to there. And then it's like moguls at the bottom of my cul-de-sac because you got to get out of there. It's probably why I still drive a four-wheel drive is to get up and over. Up all of the ice yeah. moguls. All of the ice moguls. Oh, crazy. 
But I think that, you know, I was looking at the garden this morning and actually looking at the wind and thinking, well, the wind is going to make it a little bit dry. But I was thinking how good things were looking and how much better we were. You know, towards the end of the season, I was thinking there's a certain amount of gratitude I had from my garden yeah. this year. And, and I look at it and I thank myself for persevering. Yeah. Because we had a, a great long, idea. We had a long cloudy, wet, cool summer, but I had some various gratitudes, not the least of which is that my tomato crop finally came on and I got some great kale. And, you know, I was worried because I was fighting with the birds all summer about my peas and my beans because they kept eating them. But I finally got a huge pick off them and I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. And I picked Five or six vases of sweet peas by the end of the season. It's not, mine took forever to actually yeah, come through, and, and then but all of a sudden they came at once, and it's I was same as you. I feel like I got almost five or six vases within yeah. like a three week period. So you know you 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 look at your garden and you think I'm grateful for, and I am. I'm grateful for the fact that I got flowers yes. and that I had greenery, and I my trees. Mind you, now my issue is what's in my garage that's overwintering. <laughs> And here's why I have a two-car garage that's essentially that's a one-car I was going to say, garage. that's really a one-car because you've got everything in there? Because <laughs> I've got everything in there. I was in Medicine Hat last week speaking to them, and I was talking about what does a gardener do in the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you, we rearrange the furniture 80 times while we're trying to figure out where to put all your succulents, because mm-hmm. I own a few. Yeah. And then in the garage, I have a Japanese maple. He's now seven feet tall. Wow, that's yeah. a large tree to put well, in a garage. It is. Pretty soon, we're going to have to either find a way to cover him, or I'm going to have to say, I don't know what I'm going to say because I won't give up. And I have a giant formium, which is the ornamental New Zealand grass. And okay, it's beautiful, but it is right in the window of the garage now, and it used to only be like maybe a foot and a half. Now it's four feet by four feet, and I don't <laughs> know what I'm going to do. And then I bought all these other things this year and last year and the year before, and they're in my basement and they're in my guest room. Nobody can come and stay with me till after Christmas. It's it's occupied. (laughs) It's occupied by my begonias. And my bedroom, I have to dodge the euphorbia to shut the blinds. Oh, so what does a gardener do? It's, good. It, it, it's amazing how busy you are. I just pulled out my amaryllises. I have two that I sort of attempt to yes, try to. Yes. And I must admit, I have yet to get a blossom on them, but I do get an awful lot of very pretty green <laughs> leaves out of the two of them. But I keep trying. Do you, do you put them somewhere where they can be cool for about four or five weeks? They live, yes, they live. I have a, a cool room in my basement that I can tuck oh. them in and I've I've done silly things like put them in the garage or whatever to try to give them that cold snap. So like I said, I get I get really nice greenery. I just have yet to get have a you bloom. you fertilized them? No. Well, you see, fertilizer does help. <laughs> okay, so what would you recommend for 15, 30, 15, 30, 15, okay. and I would fertilize them. And I would, as soon as you bring them out, you give them a good watering and you fertilize them, and then you let them go about three weeks, and then you fertilize them again. Okay. And that'll help to push the blossoming. But it's also you have to have let the leaves died off naturally over last year. You didn't just cut them off. No, I didn't. I let them them die Good. right down. Um, I'd like to say that was intent. Well, I'd like to say I did that one with intent, but really yes. I'm, I, we're a busy household, and that was kind of one of those I walked past them and thought, ooh, 
I should maybe. <laughs> that looks quite dead. I should probably deal with that. Well, I keep them under my tree in a basket, all of them. And now I'm up to, I think I'm up to seven. Oh. And there's one. Oh, and I bought a new one last month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep adding. Just keep adding. And I was looking at them the other day in the garage, sitting up on top of the cooler. But over the summer, they had been out beside the birch yeah. under the tree. And they were doing really well, but then the neighbor had a fence built, and these guys were villains. Ooh. Villains. <laughs> By the time they were done, I was ready to hunt them. <laughs> so anyway, I rescued them and got them the my amaryllis back. So I'm quite pleased, and they look like they're coming back. Oh, that's good news. So, Do you think you'll have blooms off all seven of them? No, because last year, one, I forgot to cut back properly, and I think it's not going to do well. But now... I'm going to try and get more flowers. So what other... Okay, so we besides amaryllis and poinsettias, which are the obvious, and I must admit, I have a Christmas cactus that decides it's, it is actually going to bloom at the proper time, but it blooms frequently during the year. Well, yes, because nowadays the we are getting what the cactus that is triggered by daylight length and oh, okay. light length. So what we're getting is they're, they're literally flowering as the Sunday as the days, night and day, become more equal. So when we're starting to see 10 hours of daylight, 11 hours of daylight and more darkness, we're getting them. It's just like the poinsettia, the red bracts, the leaves, the red leaves are triggered by 13 hours of darkness and 11 hours of sun. Okay, well, we're going to come back and talk more about all this. We do want to take your calls and your text messages, 403-974-8255. 403-974-8255 if you've got a question for Kath. And we'll be right back with Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. CHQR, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening, and uh, Brian has teed us up with a bunch of Keith Urban songs for the morning, because he knows that's uh, one of my favorite singers. And of course, Keith Urban is part of the halftime performance at the Grey Cup today. If you are wanting to catch the broadcast, our pregame show starts at 2 o'clock, and of course, kickoff is at 4 uh, at McMahon, so make sure you're listening for all of the Grey Cup action. I must admit, <laughs> I will be listening because we'll be driving to pick up my son from camp. He's out at us. Oh, I'll probably camp. have it background, but if I watch it, I'm jinxing. Yeah, that's what you said. So so we're going <laughs> to see, see if that comes out. I'm writing that down. We're going to talk and see if that actually follows through. I just yes. want to let you know, of course, that Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce Up Garden Center, the spirit of gardening. Open seven days a week on McLeod Trail at 210th Avenue. Make sure you go and see them. They've got some really amazing Christmas like baskets Bow and arrangements and, and greenery. Some, yeah, they sure have it green. <laughs> I must admit, I saw a couple of their Instagram posts. I thought, ooh, I need to go and get some of those pots for my front doorstep. They so, got pots too. A lot of pots. <laughs> a lot of pots. Uh, we do have a couple of text messages starting to trickle in. It says, good morning, ladies. Great show as always. Although my wife is a Riders fan, our son and I are ready for a victory today. Go Bombers. <laughs> Well, I just want to see that guy that's had to wear shorts for 20 years. I should get to, to wear, wear pants. Long pants. <laughs> I couldn't believe he's been like, that's that a fa- good sport to wear. That's a faithful fan. <laughs> Is it a, and a faithful friend. Like if he made the bed and has stuck to it for yes. 20 years. That's a lot of time. Some integrity behind that's that. That's right. All right. We were chatting about uh, Christmas plants just before the break. We were talking about poinsettias. Well, we hadn't gotten to them, but amaryllises and poinsettias are on the horizon. Everybody in yes. their poinsettias. Now, do you winter over your poinsettias? No. 
Is it worth trying? Well, you can overwinter them and eventually they turn into a big green shrub that lives somewhere in your house or around or you put it out on the deck one summer and go enough already. But getting them to turn red, and I know I'm going to get 18 or 20 people that are going to send me pictures and texts of theirs turning red. But I tried for a couple of years because, you know, I thought, well, I'll keep it in a closet. Yeah. And then I forgot about it. <laughs> Because you were telling me there's, about your I was Christmas say, There's cactus. a theme to this. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. tell our listeners about that. But, but I forgot about it. And when I brought it out and put it back in the sunlight about a week after I'd forgotten about it, it wasn't even going to grow anymore for me. <laughs> it's it had, like, I'm done. I'm done. You're, you're cruel and inhuman. But, you know, it's tricky. And even for the guys that grow them, they keep the lights on for a certain amount of time and they insist on total blackness to get them to turn red. And I remember once way back, Wade Hartwell, a guy pulled into their lot beside the greenhouses where the poinsettias were and his headlights went over top of the poinsettias <gasps> in the dark phase and half of them had flowers and half of them didn't. Oh, no. So that's... So they're that, that touchy. Oh, some of them are just that touchy. But there's so many beautiful colors out right now. It's quite something. And I, I know that they're a bit of a temperamental plant because if you don't have just... And I've, we forget they're tropical plants. They're truly tropical. They don't want any cool. They don't want any... And there has to be just the right amount of water. That's and right. And you don't want to keep them near a door so that they get chilled. I always cringe when I see poinsettias coming out of stores not wrapped. <gasps> yes, I guess I you cringe. need to have that. And, and the other thing, too, is remember, plastic is colder than paper. So... Putting just a little light plastic bag on the pot part isn't going to help it. No. you got to cover the flowers and the leaves. It's the part that needs to be And it's protected. probably the wind up here, right? Like it's oh, that, that shock wind. of cold air. Yeah, and the wind them. chill factor today is must be pretty good. Well, it's certainly breezy enough. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting when you we were chatting off air, I was telling Kath, everybody, that I have a Christmas cactus that I got when I was about oh, 20-ish, or first yes. apartment, and it's tiny. It was one of those little four-inch pots, and I have... I like really tormented this poor plant for most of its existence. It is still alive. I have kept it alive, um, but I did everything to it to try to get it to bloom for mm -hmm. Christmas. And I, you know, got told to, to give it a cold shot of cold to get it to to do that. I think that's probably an old. Well, that's an old wives' tale. And uh, so I had left it outside on a kind of a day like this, and that didn't cause it to bloom. And then I put it in the fridge because I thought that was colder, and I forgot about it. And it stayed in a fridge for 24 hours, and then that wasn't cold enough to get it to snap, which, of course, clearly wouldn't have done the job. But I this thought I... next bit gets... <laughs> I then put it in the freezer and forgot about it. And I shared with my an apartment with my twin sister, and she went one day to go, well, after I had done this, to get something out of the freezer and actually, like, took the plant out of the freezer, put it on the counter, got what she needed, and then did the reverse and realized as she shut the door that there was a plant, in, a cactus in the freezer. And we've had, I've been tormented about that <laughs> since then. So the cactus is still alive, but now every time I look at it sideways, it just starts blooming because I think it's terrified. That you're going to refrigerate it <laughs> It in, or in deep six block. it in the freezer, <laughs> right? So I'm surprised it's still alive. I, I must admit, there's days I think I and the plant are too. It's they're tropicals. They're not subtropical. Well, and it's about the light you said, and that's interesting. It's, the, to me. it's triggered by the length of day because you got to remember where they come from and where they grow. The day length is the part about it that gets it to flower. And I all people all sorts of people talk about day length and how long the day's going to be before it's going to flower and keeping it dry for a month. And, and that's true. 
I do in October. I will withdraw water for four okay. weeks. And what does that is that to make it think that That's it's in a its... little bit of stress? Okay. And then the day length starts to change, and they burst. The whole lower shelf right now of my plant shelf is, is just full of Christmas cacti, holiday cacti, yeah. and they're full of flowers. And I've got my white one, and my orange one, and my pink one, and my red one. And I was thinking to myself. I really should mark the colors that they are so I don't forget. And every year I say that, and every year I forget. And every for, and you yeah. forget which one. I forget what labels on them, and I long ago lost the labels when I repotted them. Okay. And now how long should a Christmas cactus bloom for? Because it's quite an extensive... Well, mine started about two weeks ago, and they're still in full flower. The flowers haven't dropped, and there's more buds coming. And it, with any luck, I'm hoping it'll persist into December. Now, do you try to force your cactus to bloom again during oh, the well, year? I or? Yeah, I will. Uh, February, March, I'll try to get them as soon as the, the you know, we're going to start seeing longer days. And I blessed the first day of, of uh, December because that means the days will start to get longer again. Yes, that's true. So, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, so now we'll get fragmented a little bit longer. And then the day length will get a little bit more equal day and night. And then the cacti will start to talk to you again and flower. And I suppose that's not just with cactus. There's probably other plants. All that sorts all... Of, my African violets put on a big show. They're always flowering, but they put on a bigger show as the day length lengthens. Okay. And so, and my little cyclamen, I have a couple of little miniature cyclamen, and they're going to come into flower pretty quick here. They like this short night, short day. Now, do you think, again, with the quick weird question, but just about daylight savings time, like if we... If we were still at the old, like the true time, which would be, you know, 1030 right at the moment, would that, like, does that impact them? No, the day length is still the day length. It's, I was going to say, it should be. Whether it's eight o'clock in the morning that the day starts or or nine nine o'clock. It doesn't matter, I guess. No, it doesn't matter to a plant. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) still the day length. It's just like I said, it's just that time. I just was thinking. It's how early you get up in the morning and open your blinds. I was going to say, or put them in the freezer. Yeah, well, well, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. That is not a suggested (laughs) aid to growing flowers. That was, like I said, I just, I think of all of those things, those old wives' tales that we've learned as we're growing up to not do and it I didn't realize that had to do with the time <laughs> it's the time of day and There's the length a, of day a whole lot of our listeners rolling their eyes at the radio right at the moment well <laughs> maybe that's why they need to phone us they need to phone us oh, 974-8255 yes. save 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 I mean, what's your biggest gardening mistake I'd love to hear some of them oh that would we should. you know I mean apart from I'd like to hear what you were grateful for in your garden but I'd also like to hear what were what, some yeah, the, what, what succeeds, especially what succeeds, with... What succeeds for you? My mom always had all these little things she did, and it always worked. She always got apples off her tree, She, but she had to go out and... It was Well, she and my great-aunt always tried to tell us they were witches, so... <laughs> <laughs> there were all sorts of little things they'd go out and do. And do. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about more of things that you can go out and do if you'd like to ask Kath a question. 974-8255. Again, the talk and text line, 403-974-8255. We're going to read a couple of texts that are starting to come in. And uh, we'll be right back with you in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on News Talk 770.
listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Good morning. My name is Pam Hunter, and I'm in for the holidaying Mr. Merle Coombs, but I am joined by Kat Smythe, our garden goddess, and uh, we are taking your calls and your questions on the talk and text line, 403-974-8255. A couple of texts coming in and some good pictures, so keep sending Beautiful those. Beautiful pictures. That red African violet, oh. Beautiful. Just gorgeous. We love to see them. Please yes. go ahead and send us your pictures. But we are going to jump on the phone and chat with... Hi, Terry. How are you? Oh, hello. Good morning. Good Very morning. Good. Thank you. Who are you cheering for in the Grey Cup? Uh, well, you know, I don't actually have a favorite. I was cheering for Calgary, but they're not there. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we all there's a pang when we all say that. We like, all oh. say that and go, oh. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I, I just hope it's a good game. It should be a great one. So yeah. you have some junipers that are, are plaguing you. Yeah, well, I, there is a couple of different uh, issues. One, one is just plain overgrown, uh, but the others, they, they had uh, over the winter, and I noticed a lot of the ones in our neighborhood had the same problem. Around the edges, uh, there's a lot of brown. It looked like they kind of died all around the edges, say about four or five inches all around, that sort of thing. And I, I don't know exactly what that was, but... Uh, were they near of, the sidewalk or the road or...? Uh, no, they were in... Uh, Towards the house, really. Towards like the it. house. Yes. And uh, this was last from last winter. Yes. Okay. Well, last winter was kind of odd because we had that really fast freeze in February. Oh yes. And a lot of the growth was uncovered during the early part before that, and just as the new growth started to fill in, and was just getting set. It got hit with that really fast freeze, and it was severe. It went down really fast and really cold, and then it stayed that way. So they suffered a little bit. They'll probably be fine. They're, you know, just a little bit of pruning off of those dead edges, and I'm sure that's what you probably did. And then uh, they, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But And then they should just start to set new buds. But don't go in there and just cut straight across. You, if you look closely at the growth of a juniper, it's like a fan, and it's like little fingers. And if you look at the fingers and pull them apart, you can see where you can just cut out the brown bit, and then the other growth will start to fill in with new growth, and you can bring them back into shape. Okay. Okay. And I and, guess the, the other aspect of that would be uh, what time of year would be best to do that? Well, there's a saying, when the lilacs are in bloom, prune your junipers and your uh, and your evergreens, your conifers. Oh, so I've missed that. Yeah, <laughs> you've missed that a bit now. But, <laughs> you know, if they're obviously very, very dead, take them in. I would go in in about March and take them off then. Okay. You can still see all the brown and you can get to them. Prune them then. It won't hurt them. Okay. Okay. And just one quick uh, sure. more question, if it's possible. Uh, the the other juniper I was asking about was a different type. It, it's doing quite fine. In fact, it's it's overgrown and uh, it's kind of taking over our garden in the backyard. Yes. And my wife would like to get it off all the flowers. So yes. But, so I that that would be the same. Uh, I would do uh, it in June. You don't want to okay. if it's healthy and growing. You don't want to mess with it except in June because then it won't produce all the pitch and attract the bugs and it'll stay healthier longer all right i appreciate that thanks all right. very much thanks you thanks. have a great morning you too. you too terry all right we're gonna go to davin hi davin hi how are you i'm good and yourself uh but pretty good uh, actually i have a tree in front of my house uh i think it's a spruce uh-huh and uh, uh what's happening here is the root is moving towards the foundation eh <laughs> and it's up at the surface right yeah well, it won't hit the foundation or force its way in unless there's a crack in the foundation. Trees 
or take advantage. If there's an opening or a place for it to get into, yeah. it will go in. But otherwise, it will just divert itself and go around. Oh. However, if there's a lot of exposed surface top root, just put a bit of soil on top. And don't put a lot, but just try to encourage it to go down and start moving away. Okay. But whatever you do, don't cut it. Okay. Because what will happen is it will weaken the tree on the one side. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mom. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. Thanks so much, David. I guess that yeah. is one of those things that uh, in in some of the um, older neighborhoods with those really large spruces, the large like spruces. I'm in, in Willow Park and Acadia, and that kind of. Oh yeah, and the spruces have also because they're shallow and they live off of that, and it's been very dry. They're up near the top, and they tend to stand up on there. And if they're not being watered deeply, they don't get enough secure root system down lower. And then some of them, because of the way they were planted and didn't get their roots stretched when they were first planted, will cross over each other and cause themselves to start to lift up. Oh. That's not exciting. <laughs> but it is something that you can kind of manage. Yes, and I don't absolutely. think I realized that you could sort of start to train them to go. Yeah, you as, as long as they hit a solid foundation and they hit no crack in the foundations, they won't go after it. It's just like this business of them going into sewer pipes and things. If the pipe is cracked... By all means, they're going to seek water there. But if there's no cracks or no openings for them to get into, they're not going to go and break it. So, All right. Well, we're still taking your calls and your questions in on that 403-974-8255. We are going to talk with Janet Melrose of the Calgary Hort Society coming up here in just a few minutes. I'll also let you know if you are an Orchid fan that John Ostrodom... Ostroden. I did. I was actually pretty close to that. That was very good. um, Is going to chat with us just after 10 o'clock, actually. And he's highly regarded in the world of orchids within the city. Yes. Interesting question. So if you're. Horticulture in general. He is a plant nerd. Oh, that should be fun. And so if you are an orchid fan, make sure you're listening for that. And of course, we do want to see your pictures if you've got some. We're still getting quite a few texts coming in on the line if you want to read a couple of those, Kath. Well, there's one that's from Didsbury with some wonderful holiday cactus. And she says, my cactus and I live in Didsbury and we love the snow. And I think that's great. And somebody on here also sent us a text and said that their Christmas cactus is blooming. And that's the same lady. And she says that Merle told her to abuse them and not water them too much. And if the flowers are anything to go by, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous shape. Yes. She said it's her Thanksgiving cactus that she brought it up, bought from Spruce It Up. It's just beautiful. And there's a lady look or someone looking for the phone number for the Pincher Creek Sweet, Sweet Pea lady. lady. So, Diane, if you're listening. Diane and her greenhouse is called Bailey's. Bailey's Sweet Peas. Bailey's Greenhouse. B-A-I-L-Y apostrophe S. Okay. And you should be able to find it online. I don't have it. I don't I, think I've got the number either. We'll see if we can find it. Maybe our, our handy-dandy yeah. Brian might be able to find that for us. Um, but Diane's often listening. So if you're listening, Diane, why don't you give us a call? Well, and tell us and your you phone number. And you can tell us your phone number and let yeah. us know what you're doing with your sweet peas That's at right. this time of the year. That's right. <laughs> we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to chat with Janet Melrose. We're still going to take your calls. And your text, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. What you think of me, you think of me. 770 CHQR, and you're listening to Let's Talk Garden. Now, of course, Mr. Keith Urban, who will be providing the halftime entertainment at today's Grey Cup. Uh, if you're looking for the times, kick our pregame starts at 2 with our guys, and then kickoff is at four. So that's oh, when okay. you can find all of that. Well, that's when I'll move the TV over then. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we can enjoy that game happening this yes. afternoon. It should be a good game. It looks like the weather's going to hold. It'll be a lovely yes. afternoon. It should be a good game. Both teams deserve to be there. That's right. I know that much about them. And, uh, and it should be pretty exciting. It'll be them. interesting for them. We're going to go to the phones and talk to Calgary's Cottage Gardener. Hello, Janet. How are you? Hello there. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. So what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, I find, well, actually yesterday I was in the garden putting away more of the garden from the summer. Still? So I think I, yeah. Still, I thought I you think, were doing that last week. Well, I finally got the last of the pots under tarp. Okay. So that's good. All yeah. right. I think I can say it's done. <laughs> so now are you just tarping your pots in your yard or do you move them and tuck them up sort of in a sheltered area? Yeah, there, uh, I don't, unfortunately, have a totally sheltered area. So what I do is I have them um, upside down in containers. And sometimes, if I'm lucky, I've got Rubbermaid tubs that I can put them in. And then I tarp the whole thing so that they stay dry over the winter. If there's anything I hate, it's ice on pots come March. And then you're tripping over icebergs in the garden. Exactly. So <laughs> I've, I've spent a lot of time this fall doing that. <laughs> I see. I see. But I am switching over. Oh, okay. It is, now, it is now Christmas. Okay. So. Yes. Aren't yeah. we all? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. kickoff. That's that season is kicked off for you. For well, oh. if my house is anything to go by, my basement workshop. Yeah. She's into heavy gear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We it's share moving a and grooving. Yeah, yeah. It's moving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that's wreaths and boughs and Christmas pots and, and arrangements. And yeah. You bet it. All over the place. So, yeah. What's your favorite to work with, Janet? Uh, in terms of foliage? Yeah. I like them all, but I'll say one thing. I prefer silver fir over Douglas fir any day. Yeah. Me too. Why is that? It's the leaves are shorter and they're, they are. Sturdy. They don't pull off easily, and they don't fall off first. Um, in fact, sometimes they outlast, say, the pine. So, and with Douglas fir, you know, after a couple of weeks, you can see the needles on the on the dining room table or whatever. So, no, I really like my. The, and my I like it fir. because it's two toned. Like yes. it's got the silver side and it's yeah, got a green side, and they're light. flat needles, and they catch the light just beautifully. They do, and and they're they're sturdy, so they're a great foundation. Foliage too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And these are ones that can go outside as well as inside, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Table Absolutely. centers, porch yeah. pots, wreaths. Yeah. 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 The one thing I learned many years ago was holly does not go outside in Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think even I could have gathered with that one, but <laughs> well, it's... I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> and and they they really inside you've got to make sure you're keeping it really wet or it doesn't do well either. So you have I to know. stay on top of that. Yeah, I gave up. So, <laughs> no, nice experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and so now was Holly like? It's a, a broadleafed evergreen and it produces a berry, but it's only the female that produces a berry, and you have to have a male to produce the berry. Okay, yeah. so but we need to keep them well watered because they're just their climate. They, their they climate is so humid. Yeah. And that's, and you know, in England, they regard it as a weed. It just kills me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they grow beautifully in the Shushwap. Yes. And um, they're marginal outside. I've had one for two years outside in a very sheltered spot, but it's about two feet tall. Uh, um, 
But if you try and cut them and use in foliage, they all turn black. The leaves turn black. It I just submerge off. them in a vase of water in a clear glass yeah. vase, and they look really neat. Yeah, so. that's a lovely technique. Yes. Like the whole The plant, whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, oh, thing. yeah. yeah. And they that's can live thing. like that? They live like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what else are you up to, Janet? Oh, so seasonal foliage arrangements. Well, actually, let's talk holiday plants first. Okay, so let's, let's do that. Yeah, because I have... 10 amaryllis bulbs that are just growing like crazy and one's just about ready to open up Uh. Uh, and i've got my paper whites all growing and they are looking i've already added my gin into the water so that they won't get too tall i've got my (laughs) ivy growing That's a wasted gin. <laughs> I know, but it makes them, it stops them from growing too tall and then flopping over. At least that's what I decide. Ah, so, I see. Yeah. I yeah. see. Okay. okay. But uh, I'm really, I love the idea that we're using plants um, as part of our traditions. That's um, right. You know, and the poinsettia is, is big, but it's it's Johnny come lately to the scene. Um, talking about holly, it was used way back in ancient Rome. So, you know, we've got this huge centuries-long tradition of holiday plants. And I'm giving a talk um, for the Hort Society, Calgary Hort Society, a member talk on December the 5th on holiday plants, or traditional plants, as I like to call them, um, because I just adore them. And I try and have as many as I can in my house every year. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's free for members and $10 for non-members. And we've moved the location. It's um, it's at the Haysburg Community Center, uh, which is really easy to get to. Just straight down Elbow Drive and hang a left at 89th Avenue and you're there. Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm challenged. You're challenged. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, I'm looking forward to giving that talk because... Oh, yeah. Uh, Holiday plants are such a joy to have in our garden. Well, they in our house and in our part of our holiday traditions, always. And there's far more of them than we realize, isn't there, Janet? Like there's those knee-jerk ones like the Christmas cactus and the poinsettias and amaryllis, but there's actually a surprisingly large variety. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And and a a Christmas cactus actually doesn't have a tradition attached to it. It just blooms at Christmas. That's right. Whereas, you know, whereas a lot of the others have stories attached True. And to me, that's what makes them really powerful is, is the stories and the traditions. But sometimes we don't even know why that we, we value them. But when you dig deep, you realize like there's a reason why we call our Christmas trees fir trees. Okay. You know, it's not just because, you know, they're fur. No, they're not often. Um, but in, oh, Germany, sort of mid-first century or actually about the 60s, century um they used to cut the fir trees to bring them in and hang them upside down well are you going to share all this at the member talk i am so yeah it's going to be okay well we have to we're going to have to go to a break pretty quick okay so we can chat some more well we're going to have to take a break and then we got to move on because we're hitting some news hour but what i was going to ask you is tell me about your gratitudes for 2019 Mm, the weather i love the summer weather it was cooler so you could work in it, and it rained nicely, so you didn't have to rain a lot, and there was no smoke. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> yes. I must admit, um, I, I can appreciate I think most of yeah. us can appreciate that no smoke thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then the, the native, native ladybugs are starting to come back. Um, they were, I was starting to see them in August, you know, so yeah. a lot of the invasive ones got killed off the last couple of years. But now the natives are coming back. 
And for me, it was lots of those native bumblebees and other bees that were just swarming everywhere. If you had them, plants that they recognized and could feed off of. So it was a beautiful summer, actually. Well, thank you so much, Janet. We appreciate always talking to you. Mm-hmm. There's a few well, other things, but we can get to them at another time. Okay, that sounds marvelous. Thanks, okay. Janet. Janet. Have a great day. You take care. Take care. We're going to be back and take more of your calls and texts in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Gardening on 770-CHQR. I'm Pam Hunter in for the holidaying Merle Coombs. And I've got Kath Smythe here with me taking your calls and your texts. 403-974-8255. We're going to go to the phone lines and take a couple of calls because I do have uh, some people there. But I just want to make a quick note. We had somebody send us a picture of their holly from Ireland. Yes. That's beautiful. And her lovely purple cottage. So pretty. It, and the sun, it looks like it's a beautiful day. There's sun shining, blue sky. Uh, kind of like to be there. Although it's sun shining here. Hi, Shirley. Hello. How are you today? Good. I have some more questions about Christmas cactuses. Sure. All right. And I have one I bought in the spring a couple of years ago, and it's got a few pink blooms on it. Yes. But I'm wondering, like, about fertilizing. Do they need any fertilizing Throughout well, the year? Or? Uh, well, they do throughout the year. You do want to fertilize them with a half-strength, all-purpose type fertilizer, say 20-20-20 mm-hmm. or 15-30-15, and you just go half-strength. In their rat- natural environment, they grow off of trees and hang out up in the air. They're essentially an epiphyte. The fact that we can grow them in the soil is great, and mm-hmm. they do very well for us and have historically, but that's when they need their fertilizer. But... I- and what about Rage Plus with that? That will absolutely help them. Because I did do that um, back in the spring, and it seemed to... Um, perk right up. Perk the, is it, I bought it in the spring, so is it a uh, Easter cactus, or is there a difference between well, them? Well, there's a difference in that they flower and are triggered by certain times and daylight length. So the Easter one, the fact that it has flowers tells me it's a holiday cactus, so it's flowered, flowering because the day and the night... Or the day is shorter, shorter and the night is longer. So that's what's triggering it. So they like, uh, do they need to go into the dark and rest at any time? No, not at all. They, if you just keep them in the same location and maintain them in the same location, they will pick up and they will trigger themselves into the flowering habit as once they get used to the calendar of where they're living. Yeah, I do have that one. It's been in that same spot since I bought it. Yes. And now last year I bought... Um, another cactus and and um it hasn't bloomed yet so is there anything i should that, you've got to abuse them a bit you got to let them get a little dry mm-hmm. and let them dry right out and leave them in the same location and mm-hmm. just let it it will set its blossoms and start to flower and i'll imagine that it's probably one that's going to flower nearer christmas yeah they're very healthy yeah. And I did notice that they like that Rage Plus. So. Oh, yeah. And not all the time, only about no. every two or three months. Yeah, I haven't done it since spring now. So No, they should be just fine from there. Okay, that's wonderful. All when, right. When you get that little tag in it, it doesn't tell you anything. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't talk specifically about living up north versus down south. And we have different day lengths and different ways of getting them into flower. Another thing, like uh, they are so dry, 
Yes. So I would think it would like the dry air, would they? They do. They do. They they like the company of other plants because that helps a little bit with the humidity around them. But what they really like is in particular the fact that we're giving them a little bit of water and keeping them on the moist side for certain parts of the year and then giving them a little bit of abuse and pushing them into flower. Yeah, and they are beside other plants because I have a plant pole, you know, from the old days. Yes. And I've got just about five or six plants on oh, the they're plant very pole. nice. Good for you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mine didn't survive. The spring died. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we've, we've got to go to a quick break. So okay. thank you then. Thank you. Okay, bye. Take bye. care, Shirley. Thanks so much. We'll be back to take more of your calls after the news on Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. We're going to go quickly to the phones where we've got the Sweet Pea Lady on there. Hi, Diana. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Uh, we had a little snowstorm this morning here, really? and I have a very neat sign at my front that says, Snow Way Out Now, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cute. It's kind of cute. cute. So how much snow did you get down there? Uh, well, we've had lots, but then the wind last night was 130-something. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, we have drifts and bits here and there. It could be worse, right? Yes, it could be. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so what are we doing with sweet peas in the winter months, Diane? Well, basically getting my... I didn't get many seeds because it, they just got so cold so quick that a lot of the seed pods just didn't fill. So it was a fabulous year for sweet peas. They loved all the moisture. They loved the cool weather. But then I stopped deadheading, I think, the beginning of September. And usually there's lots of time then to get some nice fat seed pods. And it was just so cold and miserable, they never filled. Oh, dear. So that's okay. I get most of my seed from England anyway. So um, you can't get a lot of the old varieties in North America. So I get nearly all my seed from England. Okay. Um, Diana, just get so many more varieties. I think I had 43 varieties this year. Oh, my. And they were outstanding. They were absolutely fantastic. So who knows what will happen next year? You well, know, we live in next year country, right? We do. We do. Next year's coming. That's it. <laughs> and, not, and it's the, not that um, far. Christmas plants, um, I was just looking through now. Anne Vale of Vale's Greenhouse used to do an article for the paper every week on gardening. And if you're doing a little, like a table centerpiece or something, (laughs) she was using Kinnikinick, which has the most startlingly um, bright green foliage and red berries. Yes, and it's native. It's a lovely native plant. It is. It's absolutely stunning little plant. Yes. And what's that called again? Kinnikinick. Arcostaphylus. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. I can never get it right, Diana. I've tried for years. Oh, good. It's not just me. It's not just me. No. On different houseplants, I brought in a climbing spinach, and it's blooming its head off. Ah, lovely. And it's Bacella. Oh, and it's, um, I mean, I'm sure it's not supposed to be a house plant at all. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it isn't. But, um, yeah, Bazella, and it's, I've been eating off it all fall. So <laughs> the leaves are edible. And then it has little funny sort of pink flowers all oh, over pretty. it. That'd be joyful to watch. 
It's lovely. It yeah. likes full sun. I mean, whether it survives, you know, it's surviving the shorter days at the moment. The leaves are getting smaller. Okay. I mean, I'm still eating off it. So, you know, it's like I get two in one, right? Uh-huh. I can eat off it and enjoy the and Absolutely. And enjoy all of it. Diana, we had a listener who was looking for your phone number. Would you be able to give that to oh, us? Oh, most definitely. 403-628-3491. And my greenhouse is Bailey Hill. Oh, that's Bailey what it is. Bailey Hill. Okay, and, and, and you guys are open, or you're closed for the winter, but you'll be opening... Uh, we of... open in the spring, and I laughingly say, well, you know, I don't want to sell too much before Mother's Day, because sometimes we get snowstorms on that day. <laughs> well, especially but, down there um, you do. You know, yeah, we play it by ear. <laughs> okay, well... Thank you so much, Diana. We appreciate chatting with you this morning. Lovely right, to Thank chat. you so much. Well, have right. a great morning. Okay, okay. thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to quickly go to the phone and chat with Astro- John Ostrodon, but we're going to keep him for a little bit. Yes, we are. We have questions. Hi, John. How are you? I am good, thank you. <laughs> good. Are you furiously writing down all of the Christmas plants you can bring in? <laughs> you probably have them all down there already, don't you? Pretty much, yes. yes. <laughs> they yeah. have some beauties in. Yeah. I, I didn't escape unscathed yesterday, John. Well, that's good. I bought a Hoya, well, one of the good. collectibles. I know, they're super popular right now. It's just insane, actually. Oh, they're and beautiful. We're, we've been yeah. remiss, John. We should really introduce you oh, to, yes. our, to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> this is John Ostroden. John is a horticulturist and a self-confessed plant nerd. Yes. <laughs> and I consider him one of my foremost authorities on orchids. And I have been hearing a lot of orchid questions lately, so I thought that's where we should start, John. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things I know you and I have gone back and forth about is ice cubes and orchids. Yes, it drives me crazy. Absolutely drives me crazy. Okay, tell me. <laughs> uh, the reason, okay, first of all, you're putting freezing cold water on a tropical plant. Yes. Um, so, and ice doesn't magically appear in the tropics and land on every orchid in the jungle or rainforest. So what I think that originally came about was that probably when orchids first started becoming popular, it was very easy to overwater or not know how to look after them because they're quite different than a lot of other plants because most of them are epiphytes. Yes. So I think that was a good way of, like, keeping them moist but not water-sogging them. Yes. But but nowadays, like, we can water with, you know, tepid water or warmish water, and they find to do much better, especially if they get leached. So you water heavily to get rid of buildup of fertilizer or our high calcium salts in our hard water here that we have in Calgary. So I always recommend just doing a good watering. Something comes out the bottom, get rid of the excess water, and then continue on that way. And do you prefer orchid bark or do you use moss or? Um, about 90, 95% of my collection is all in moss and charcoal. Okay. The- only orchids I have that are in bark anymore are just my pathiopedums, my um, lady slippers. Okay. Because they, they like a high, a little bit higher pH, and the moss is more acidic, so that's why I grow them in the... In the, in the moss. In the, in the bark. In yeah. the bark, rather. Sorry. Yeah. And, and so if you were to recommend to people, what's the easiest orchid for them to start with? Well, it's always the Phalaenopsis. That's um, right. They're quite tolerant of all our conditions. Um, in the house, both the tolerant of lower humidity, the lower light conditions. Yeah, and they're pr- and because they flower for such a long period of time. Oh, I know. Really, really good for um, 
a beginner orchid. Like that's where most of us started. So and what yeah. and what does it mean when you tell people that they're epiphytes? So an epiphytic plant is a plant that grows up and usually up another plant, usually a tree, to get up closer to the light. So they're using the plant as support compared to like a parasite that attaches itself and feeds off the um, nutrients of the tree or from its own And a biology. good example of a parasite is mistletoe. Is one of the most popular ones, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I do remember when you tell me things. <laughs> <laughs> John, I've always heard when you get orchids that you're supposed to keep them in those little tiny pots. Like you don't repot an orchid very often. No, usually most of them like to be incredibly root-bound, especially Salinopsis. Like after you usually hit a six-inch pot, in transplant, that's usually where they stay. The odd yes. cultivar or odd one will like somehow explode and need to be in a bunch bigger pot. But typically, how they grow, they lose leaves and lose leaves, lose leaves and leaves roots at the same time. So when you transplant, they usually go back into a six-inch pot. So they do like to be root-bound. That helps with flowering. It makes them feel like they're a little bit older and keeps them more mature, so they flower smaller than they would if you just were to grow them in a much bigger pot. Okay, and when they start to make the babies on the, the flower stems? So those are kikis. Yes. Which is an Hawaiian term. Yes. That's um, usually a couple of things cause that. One is the plant is under severe stress, like the plant is actually going to die, like uh-huh. maybe it got overwatered, underwatered, okay. neglected, or <laughs> very, very low humidity will also cause that. But there is some, like, cultivars out there that just seem to, like, just like to produce themselves, where they'll flower and produce kikis, and just and they're perfectly healthy plants. So there's no real trigger that causes that, but usually nine times out of ten, the mother plant itself is usually under severe stress. Ah. And then you can, yeah, and you can just take the kiki off and root it, right? Yeah, after the roots are about at least an inch long. Yes. And then just pot it up and you have a duplicate clone of what you currently have. Yeah. Okay, now mm-hmm. I get it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to do some workshops for the Horticultural Society and the first yeah, I one. A, yeah, I have some. Uh, next, next one coming up is June 30th, which is on succulents. January so 30th. Yeah. Yes. So There's a little bit of a jaunt away, but yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of time away and you're doing cacti and succulents, jewels of the home. Yeah, so, so you're going to fun talk. Yeah. yeah, and you're going to do it so, uh, geared towards the homeowner and having them inside. That is correct. Yeah. Okay, I have to come to that one because <laughs> I have an overabundance of them. But then the other one that eludes me is something about jungles indoors, or what are you calling it? Uh, I think it's urban jungle. How uh, to take care of your indoor houseplants? Ah, that's the one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. In the last, like, five years, the insurgent or popularity of tropical plants has, yes. like, soared. Yes. You know, 10 years ago, if someone told me house plants were going to be popular again, I would have said they were crazy. Yeah. But it's really cool. Like, things that um, some of the harder to get stuff is now more readily available because of the demand. Right. And just the fact that people are looking at the inside of their house to, like, better their environment. Okay. Um, air quality, stuff like that. So- and just the joy of being able to garden. A lot of people don't have gardens anymore. Most people, especially a lot of younger people, are in um, houses or in apartments Apartments. and don't have that room, right? Yes. So they're having their garden inside the house. Okay. All right. Well, John, always so informative to chat with you. I hope we can do this again soon. Perfect. That sounds great. All right. Thanks, John. No problem. All right. Thanks so much, John.
If you're sitting at home and you've got questions for Kath, you can always give us a call, 403-974-8255. We're also taking your texts at that same number, 403-974-8255. We're going to be back in just a moment to talk more on Let's Talk Gardening. You're listening to 770 CHQR. Gardening on 770 CHQR. I'm Pam Hunter. I'm in for Merle Coombs, who's off this weekend, and I've got Cass Mice with me. I want you to let you know. I wanted to let you know that Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center. The Spirit of Gardening open seven days a week on McLeod Trail at 210th Avenue. Go see them for some lovely Christmas pots and Christmas yes, goodies and greens <laughs> and greens and more greens for our houses. All right, we were going to do a couple of texts here really quick because we've had people who've been sending us information. We've got a couple of phone calls and we have another guest. Yes. Yeah. We do. It's busy all of us. Keep us on our toes. Kat, we've had a text come in that says, good morning. If you're an inside winter gardener, can you start tomatoes, peppers, and cukes really early to keep them in a grow mode so in May one would have really large plants to get into the garden? It'd be way too early right now. And usually what you want to look at is the package and it will tell you the number of days to maturity. So if you look at, say, tomatoes and it says... 65 to 70 days that would be hard on them to be started too early cucumbers i think it's too early to do any of those if but if you're an inside gardener and you want to spend some time and you want to get them in the garden early you could look at cool weather crops and start some cabbages ahead of time and do things like that but tomatoes cucumbers have a very definite time frame that they grow to and mature to and flower so most of my friends and in fact my friend dave and i talk about tomatoes long and hard in early march and then usually about the 20th of march he's got our crops going and we're getting them ready so that we get good production out of them so peppers the same thing but you know what i have several friends who grow peppers year round in the house and as long as you can keep the soil warm on the bottom to get them to germinate and you have good grow lights you should be able to grow them in the house well that's good to know yes i, I wonder if it's tricky too though when you do those kinds of things house because our spring can start late or, or it can early, be early, early or we can get hit see, with that frost you're later. not going to put your plant your tomatoes or your cucumbers out until the weather's warm enough and then the other thing i look at at this time of year is the new seed catalogs aren't out yet so the new seed isn't out yet so some of the garden centers have seed in i happen to know of a few that have had seed orders come in so you might be able to find some of the seed but don't get too carried away too soon yeah slow, slow. yeah it's, it's slowly, hard to wait slowly <laughs> take a few classes go to a talk <laughs> go and feel and touch the plants and talk oh. about them <laughs> all right i'm taking a quick look through this text line and it says uh the christmas there's a picture sent to us and it says my christmas cactus looks sick thin leaves that are turning red and gray and google search says that there's a 50 percent chance i am overwatering it and a 50 percent chance that it's not enough water they don't get any fertilizer well the, but they always bloom what the bright red leaves are usually the fact that they may have gotten a little bit of too much sun because they don't want to be in the hot hot direct sun and yes there is some indicators on your leaves that say that you are overwatering them there's corky brown spots in the leaves and that's overwatering them and the other thing you're, I'm seeing is from the gray is that's where you've splashed water on the foliage and you shouldn't be doing that. And I really and truly about every two to three weeks, I water my Christmas and holiday cactus. And it's only every two to three weeks? Only every two to three weeks. And I don't get water on the foliage. I try to avoid it. 
Just now, do you put them in like a sink full of water and let them draw up? Or I do. do you prefer I, to- well, I actually set them in the sink and pour water so, till they're running right through, and that allows them to absorb as much as they're going to take in. A lot of these plants only are going to absorb one half of one percent of their entire volume of root of, wa- of moisture to support their plant body. So you don't want to overwater them, and you never leave them sitting in water. And the thinner leaves are usually an indication of suffocation. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kat, I see a familiar name on the phone oh. board. Mary. <laughs> Hello, Mary. <laughs> My arm fell off. <laughs> you, you ladies are pretty popular. We are pretty popular, but it's yeah, only because they've been waiting job. for you. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Well, it's because I'm not singing. <laughs> if I sang, they'd all ask me to please go go somewhere else. <laughs> me too. <laughs> anyway, uh, I uh, I had that information for you oh. for Bailey's, but Diana oh. called in. Diana yeah. called oh, in. Oh, she's really good. Isn't she I fun? Enjoy her. Is there anywhere you haven't been, Mary, in the province? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've lived here a little while. Yeah, no. <laughs> like about... 85 years. Yeah. <laughs> and around here, 61. Ah. And yeah, uh, Pinch Creek's a great, great country. If you could stand up, <laughs> the wind is just outrageous out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it really blows. So what but, What? Uh, what of your Christmas plants are blooming, Mary? Well, I got uh, uh, really nice sagos here, and they're blooming, and... Uh, I've got uh, cyclamens, and they're blooming, and, but I've got a funny-looking uh, cactus. It's white. The blooms are white when they start, and then they go to pink. Oh. They're really pretty. Oh, I bet you Something they're different. fun to watch. Yeah. So I put, uh, I mix them up. I yeah. put some uh, sasegos in them. And another one, and they didn't tell me what this one was. Uh-huh. But I just mixed them all together. Oh, good They're for They're really you. doing well. Yeah, they are. But the question I want to ask you: Okay, orchids. Yes. Where does this guy live? Who? I can't find a decent. I can, uh, John from the orchids. Where does he sell them? At Greengate Garden Center. Where is it? Greengate, just up the road from Spruce It Up. Don't it's, tell Merle I told you that. It, it, He's probably it. listening, and I'm going to be in trouble now. Oh, oh, <laughs> I wondered, because I the selection around here is disgusting. Well, go it and see, go and see John. He he's really oh, it's, just on on the highway there. Yeah, just on the highway there. Oh, on the I didn't trail. realize on the it. Oh, good. Well. <laughs> well, no, Merle won't care because I'll bring him some. I'll bring him some antipasta, and that'll make oh, him feel okay. better. Oh, right. It always fat. works, right? It'll just make him fat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, thanks, gals. Thanks, thanks Mary. so much, yeah, Mary. You we'll have a great day. Later. No, all right. Before, before I let you go, have a good great cup. Okay. Winnipeg. I, I guess just, they need yeah. to work. Okay. I don't know anybody else. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks, Goodbye. Mary. Bye. She knew I was going to ask that she question did. on who she was She's going telepathic. to. <laughs> We've got time for one more quick uh, phone um, call here. Hey, Peter, how's it going? Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Really good. What can we do for you real quick? Yes, real quick. Um, I'm, I'm, I always had annuals which do not attract bees and butterflies, and maybe you can tell me some that do that because I, I, I just can't get them. 
corn flour, you, you know, the uh, seed, the bachelor buttons. Oh, yes. They will. They will attach, and so will fuchsia. You know I'm, the I'm hanging ri- basket fuchsia? I'm writing this down, corn flour. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. are beautiful blue, and they are they are attracted to those. Yeah. And the fuchsias, they the bees and the butterflies really like them because they have a, a spot for them to rest, and they can get in and get the pollen from them, and they do right. produce a nice... In fact, fuchsias attract hummingbirds. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, I want them too. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, really and truly, what you want to look for are one-color flowers, not multicolors. They, yeah. They're attracted to yellows and to bright, bright, hot pink. And it right. isn't necessary. Okay, yeah. because I've, I've been using petunias all these years and nothing, nothing yeah. goes to them. Okay, all right. Um, Pete, we have to go to a break. Can we come back to you? Do you want to hold on just a bit longer? No, actually, no, I think I've got enough information here. If, okay. If just those two, uh, I'll, right. I'll go with those two in my garden then. Thank you. Thanks so much, Peter. You have a great Thanks. morning. Thank Thanks. you. Bye bye. We'll be back with more Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Let's talk gardening. I'm Pam Hunter in for Merle Coombs. I've got Kat Smythe here with me. We are prepping you for your Grey Cup Sunday. Of course, the big game today. Kickoff is at four, but our pregame show starts at two o'clock. So make sure you're tuned in for that. We're going to go straight to the phone. We've got a couple of phone calls. If you're on hold, hang on. We will get to you. But we're going to chat to uh, another guest. We've got Natasha Gillow of the Calgary... Gio. <laughs> I, I get it right in touch. You did. Thank you, Kat. And uh, with the Calgary Hort Society. And uh, sorry, Natasha, I did practice that actually a couple times during the news break there and I still got it wrong. Oh, the story of my life. It's all good. Not a problem. How are you? We've been Not as- too bad. asking everybody what's, uh, what Christmas plants are blooming in their house right now. I have been listening. What a wonderful conversation to have. <laughs> what what can stop us from having any types of plants in our home? I think we've been we've been certainly learning that um, um, today and and certainly up to now, uh, including pepper plants, as it turns out. So no, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. So what have you got going on in yours then, in your well, house? So um, I'm actually hanging on to my pepper plants. What can I say? I couldn't let them go. Couldn't let the, the early frost get to them. <laughs> they were producing so well. Um, so I've hung on to them and they keep producing. So what a wonderful gift that those those things keep giving throughout the year. Mm. So um, mm. definitely that that is my pride and joy is I'm able to still have the peppers I started myself last year. So good. Yeah. So Natasha... For those listeners that don't know, is the new executive director at the Calgary Horticultural Society. And my question is, how have you enjoyed your first couple of months with us? <laughs> well, what can I say? Um, when your your job, you get to go in every day and you, you speak of something that is a, a personal passion of yours and now it's your job that's not a, a bad place to be in life, I must admit. Uh, so I've really enjoyed it. It's been three months now, and uh, it's been one heck of a learning experience. And, <laughs> and every day I'm, I'm amazed by the staff and I'm amazed by the, the volunteers and, and the wonderful people I, I, I'm surrounded by. And, uh, and the fact that we all have kind of that, the commonality of, 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 a, of, a, of, a, of a pure joy for, for growing. Um, I think that's, that's what a wonderful gift. Natasha, there's an awful lot of things happening at the Calgary Hoarder uh, Cultural Society. Like, you guys are busy, busy, busy. So you would think 
during the winter time, that would not be the case, as perhaps <laughs> I was expecting. But oh my goodness gracious, is there so much going on? Of course, there's always our workshops uh, that happen uh, on a regular basis. So please uh, take a look at our website, uh, calgaryhort.org, to, to take a look at our schedule. Um, but there's other things, of course, happening beyond our workshops and our events and so on, uh, including the holiday season. So the holiday season is, is kind of a perfect example uh, of, uh, of the gift of giving and, and, and certainly we're not ex- an exception to that. Um, so uh, for our members and of course for the, uh, the Calgary community, we produce annually uh, beautiful calendars, calendars of Calgary gardens uh, that are just uh, so beautiful. You know, for those who, who doubt uh, that you can grow a beautiful garden in the, in the prairies that, where we live, uh, boy, buy our calendar and take a look at, at, at what you can do. Um, so our calendar is uh, available right now uh, for $10 uh, either at our society offices. Uh, and we are also working with both Greengate and Golden Acres uh, Garden Centre uh, to have it available there uh, within uh, the month of December. So you'll be able to visit and, and take a look and certainly please pick pick your own copy up. Uh, and we'll come by, of course, our, our, our offices and, and pick up a copy. Um, in addition, we, of course, have our annual gift of membership, which is uh, our annual campaign uh, in December where we uh, encourage people to come and purchase uh, an annual membership to the Calgary Horticultural Society. Um, this allows you great discounts uh, at, at many uh, various uh, garden centres and, and partners, uh, but it also allows you to have workshops and events and so on at a much lower price than, than available to the public. So that what, it's a wonderful gift to offer, very affordable gift to offer uh, the one you love and, and certainly uh, is always a, a great resource for, for those who are interested in, in not only gardening but growing uh, in general here in Calgary. This is one um, of those great gifts for those people. You know, you know how everybody says, oh, I don't need stuff. I don't need any more stuff. But right. this is because it gives you knowledge as well as access to all of the events. This is kind of one of those really great gifts that just you can get so much out of And you get the magazine online eight times a year, which is so informative. The garden writing is phenomenal. Every month I learn something new. And that's all Calgary-based or area-based. It's all Calgary. All Calgary. All Calgary. What does a membership cost, Natasha? It is, uh, Kath, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it is currently $45, 45. for, in, for div- individuals. And of course, we have our family membership, uh, which is uh, 55 So yes. uh, please take a look online uh, and take a look at, at getting a membership. And of course, we encourage you to also maybe drop by our offices uh, because during the month of December, we're going to be offering, we, we do this on an annual basis, but we'd like to offer you uh, an extra small gift. And so um, if you drop by our offices, which are located at 208 50th Avenue Southwest, which is a small terracotta house right on the corner. Appropriately colored. Very appropriate. <laughs> and with a, a garden and so on. If you think, well, what is this house doing? That's us. That's that's us that's standing on the corner. And so you can come by, purchase your membership, and then you will also be uh, receiving a small gift as a token of, of, of appreciation for the season. And, uh, and so, and of course, you know, what a great opportunity to come and chat with us for a few minutes and come and see what, what we're up to otherwise. And so. you are looking for volunteers, aren't you? We are. So, you know, 
we are a non-profit. The fact is, is that the heart and soul of the Calgary Horticultural Society really is its volunteerism uh, and its volunteers. And so um, right now, what we are trying to do is we are trying to broaden our reach to the community of, uh, of Calgary. And through that, what we're trying to do is really establish uh, some working groups of volunteers that could comfortably go out and speak not only about the organization, obviously that's very important to us, but about how do you manage to be successful in growing here in, in, in this, this city and in this province, really. And so we have these wonderful individuals that are very knowledgeable um, that we've already engaged and we're always looking for more. So we have positions around um, speakers, around guard mentors, where you could go into community gardens and help. Um, and of course, we have our our, uh, uh, our actual ambassadors that would speak on behalf of the organization. Um, and then, of course, open gardens. If I can just slip that in, open gardens every year, we have a wonderful crew of volunteers that go out and recruit, rec- observe beautiful gardens, recruit people to open their gardens to the rest of us. And so really what we're looking for is we're looking for people who are located in the north of Calgary uh, to please reach out to us and talk to us about whether or not you'd like to be uh, looking out for beautiful gardens because we are looking for recruiters in the north of Calgary. For and our, we want to see season. new gardens in the north of Calgary. We do, mm. we do. And we're really, really focusing on interesting gardens, not necessarily showcase gardens, but really things that people are quite proud of. So we're always looking for, for more more open gardens. And of course, if you're a, you have a garden and you'd like to participate, please reach out to us and, and we'll certainly um, um, connect with you. So those are Right now, those are kind of our, our volunteer opportunities, but there's always more. So please, once again, visit our website at calhort.org. Natasha, thank you so much for filling us in today. We appreciate your time. Ladies, such a pleasure. Thank you for a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Have a great one. Now, who are you cheering yeah, for you. in the Grey Cup? Who are you cheering oh, for? Oh, I'm sorry. Go Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thank Natasha. You, Take care. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. bye-bye. All right, we do have to take a quick break. Anne and Irene and Sylvia are all on the lines. We're going to come back and chat with you in just a few moments. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Hi, I'm Pam Hunter and I'm in for Merle Coombs. Welcome back. And I've got Kat Smythe here. <laughs> and we have a few people who've been patiently, Patient. patiently waiting on the phones. Hi, Sylvia. How are you? Well, hi, I'm fine. Um, I have a beautiful anthurium houseplant and it's, it's healthy and green, but there's only get a couple of the red bracts coming on it. How long have you had it? Uh, about a year. And did it when you bought it? How many flowers did it have? Oh, it had about five or six at that time. Have you fertilized it? Uh, no, I didn't. Wasn't too sure. <laughs> well, they, like a flowering house plant, the fertilizer. Well, the you want something like fifteen, thirty, fifteen. And right. I and I don't go heavy with the fertilizer on them. I fertilize them about oh, twice, three times a year, half strength. Right. And they aren't in a really active growing phase. Probably why they're getting their flowers right now and what they do is produce their flowers as they're going through that stage of lower light. Right. But the fertilizer is important. So when these two flowers are, and are they new? Have they just started? 
Uh, this has just started, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, I yes. would give them about another 10 days or so and then fertilize it half strength. Right. And let it, before you fertilize it, water it a little bit because dry plants don't take fertilizer up. So they need moisture to take yes. the moisture, to get the fertilizer up. It's yes. like you and I have taste buds and we salivate to swallow. Yes. They need moisture to swallow. But get right. a fertilizer like 15, 30, 15. Yeah, okay then. Okay. And that should do it then, right? That should that should really help. And then, right, then don't thank- water it too much. No, thank you so much. You're then. welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Irene has a Delia. Ooh. Hi, Irene. Hi, good morning. I planted one of those dinner plate dahlias for the first time this past summer. Uh-huh. And then after we had that big snow in October, I had dug out the root bulb. Yes. And since then, it's been sitting in my garage in a box on some newspaper. So I want to know, is it too late to do anything with it or? No, not at all. Okay. But have you dried it? Have you cleaned all the dry soil off of yeah. it? Yeah, and I then, did. And you've got it in, is your garage heated? No, it's not. That's the Well, thing. you see, you need to, if it's going to get as cold as they're saying mm-hmm. in the next few days, mm-hmm. you do want to bring it down the basement somewhere and cover it, like put it in between two sheets of newspaper. Okay. Just make sure it's nice and dried off. Uh-huh. And then keep an eye on it because coming February, March, you're going to check on it and make sure that it hasn't gone moldy and that there's nothing happening as far as mold goes. And then it will start to sprout and it will tell you when it's ready to grow. Okay. And when you do repot it, repot it into some good soil and I would fertilize it as soon as it starts to show, show leaves okay. and put it in a sunny window. But really, dahlias don't come upstairs or into the light until late March. Okay, so just leave it in the box. Okay, leave it in the in box. The newspaper and just check on it. Just check on it, okay. but get it in the war- a little bit warmer. Okay. All right? Good to know. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks, Irene. Yeah, bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. You were mentioning, Kat, that you have a bay leaf plant that was doing very well. Well, I've had it for three years. I used to have a great big one, but it succumb to abuse (laughs) (laughs) i can be honest but i have a new one that i bought about three years ago and it's now moved into a bigger clay pot and in the summer months it lives in the sun in my on my deck and i don't ever let it dry out and then in the winter months it comes in and it sits beside my kitchen sink and the window there faces southwest and it gets good sun in there, and it stays reasonably cool because of the kitchen window, and it gets the humidity from the sink. And I try to remember to water it. This is the abuse I inflict on my plants. I work real hard to remember to water it about every week, and as soon as the soil completely dries out down to my second knuckle, I then water it and let the water run through, and I never leave it standing, and it does beautifully. And I really enjoy them. I've overwintered them. Like the big one that I lost had overwintered with me for 10 years. Oh, my goodness. So it was doing really, really well. And the abuse I inflicted on it was that I decided it didn't want to be in the hot sun on my deck. And I put it in too much shade and it shed every leaf. Oh. So. uh, It'll show you. It showed me. So And I couldn't get it back. But this new one, I'm really enjoying it. And I've been shaping it. And I so enjoy the leaves, but be careful. One leaf off of a fresh bay tree is twice as potent as one leaf called for in your dried bay leaves. Okay. 
So <laughs> twice as potent. <laughs> um, we've had a bunch of texts come in, Kat, that I yes. want to kind of try to get through here. It says, I just bought a fuchsia-colored Christmas cactus in a four-inch pot. When is the right time to repot into a bigger pot? You don't want to repot it until it's finished flowering. And actually, they don't want to be repotted. They're like orchids. They're epiphytes. They don't like to be overpotted. Um some of my, well, my grandma's Christmas cactus, which lives in my sister's kitchen window, I don't think it's been repotted in 20 years and it's still flowering. So don't, don't be in a hurry to overpot. Don't, okay, okay so just, just buy it a pretty outer pot and spoil it a bit. Just let it have that. Yes. Okay, another texter has written in and says, doesn't, uh, oh, let me see if I, I think I have to back up here a second here. Uh, good morning, ladies. Can you please talk a little bit about coral fungus? My neighbor's no credentials arborist is telling her that my 12-foot Tony Aster with mineral coral fungus is going to contaminate everything in the community. The arborist's solution is to cut down 120-foot long, 12-foot high, cut it, oh, from 120 feet long down, must be to cut it right down. Um, it's a 60-year-old hedge. She says it's not going to happen. Can you please explain to me? on air how to treat coral fungus and when to prune it But you back. see, coral fungus is usually an indicator of dead wood. Okay. And without seeing a picture of it, I'm not going to say that that's what you need to do. But really and truly, I'd be more concerned if it had scale. Okay. And that's what we're looking for. And that's, he's completely right if it has scale and the scale is contaminating the whole neighborhood. And it is contaminating the entire city of Calgary. So cutting that back... So what I suspect has happened is, yes, it has coral spot, which is a necrotic canker, which means dead wood, but it's probably got scale, which is the reason that you've got to cut it down. Okay, so they really should get a like get a, a, a professional a picture, arborist a, in there. Get and, an arborist in there and get someone to take a good look at it. Here again, Chris at Prune It Up will do a great job of looking at that and being able to tell you for that. Yeah, to give them a shout. Okay, yes. so get somebody in professional yes. who knows what they're talking about and have them take a look at right. it. Right. Okay. All right. Another one is, what is the the name of the orchid again that uh, is best for beginners? It's a Phalaenopsis orchid or moth orchid. Okay. We go to, uh, Brian's telling us we have to go to a break. So we're going to go for a few minutes, come back and wrap up the show. Thank you so much. If you have a couple of questions for us, there's still a little bit of time. 403-974-8255. And that, that is the talk and text line. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Okay. I'm trying. When it's raining on Sunday. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. I'm Pam Hunter in from Merle Coombs and Kat Smythe is here with me. A few more text messages coming in, Kath. One saying, good morning. I have a mimosa. You've got to say this. Pudica. Pudica. It was at least 20 years old or more, and the leaves are st- they still close every single evening, but the leaves are not as touch sensitive. Well, that's probably because they've gotten used to having you around, and they will just stop doing that, and, and the older leaves don't shut. The new leaves shut because okay. they're trying to protect themselves, and it's just part and parcel of their makeup. And it's just as they're getting older. Yeah, as they get older, they get a little tougher about it because where they grow and they grow into trees, they don't shut all the time, but they do close with the length of the, with the day, just like a, pl- a prayer plant. Okay, we've got an. Well, that's good to know. Um, hopefully that'll answer your question, Cheryl. I'm just trying to cruise through this text line because we had another one about a Hoya, and we keep losing yes, this text. I've lost it too. It, this <laughs> new text line is. <laughs> oh, there we go. I found it, and um, it says. About a Hoya, what is the best way to get my Hoya to flower? It's over 30 years old and hasn't flowered for about 10 years. It's in a south window and healthy. 
when I, the first question I want to ask is, have you fertilized it? Have you, if you've repotted it recently or in the last four or five years, those are questions that I ask. But they like to be fertilized only about twice a year. And usually in the spring and the fall, I fertilize half strength. And I find that by drying them out completely, like here again, this is another plant that thrives on a bit of abuse. abuse. It will flower. Never cut the stems off because what happens is the flower, John, if you're listening, don't criticize this, peduncle, which is where the flowers come from. If you leave them on, which is the old place that the flowers used to flower, it will stay there and it will produce flowers year after year. But you have to encourage the peduncle by never pruning the leaves back and never cutting it back. And fertilizing it. And if it's in bright, hot sun, it will be great. And here again, an all-purpose fertilizer like 20, 20, 20, half strength, spring and fall. Okay. And that should do it. That should do it. Fingers crossed. And they smell wonderfully. Oh, my God. They're so fragrant. They're so pretty. They're a neat flower, too. That's right. They are interesting. very interesting. Another one writing in saying, um, so for bees, this is going back to our quick conversation yes. with, I believe it was yes, Peter before Peter, the break. Yes, um, I didn't get to get to the next plant. <laughs> yeah. We just, we need more time. Yes. He says, but for bees, I find they really like Veronica. And this person can't remember the name of the other one that they have, but it it's a Bee low bomb, growing, and it has minty smelling leaves. Is that? Minty smelling leaves. Bee bomb. Yeah. Yeah, Monarda. Monarda. Yeah, Monarda bee bomb. That's yeah. the one I was thinking. Yeah. It looks like crazy. Well, yeah. for those of us and who are a certain age, there's side bob of hair. It as well. Okay, so it's kind of spiky, yeah, so fluffy. So both of those. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. And then there's another one here for a crab apple, and another question on how do I get rid of scale on my orchid? Ooh, tricky. Um, probably the best bet is rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip and individually dabbing each one. Ooh. And it's. Patience. You have to have a lot of patience. And depending on the median it's, gro- medium it's growing in, I find the ones growing in bark are the ones that get the, uh, the uh, scale the worst. So I tend to change out this, the bark. Is there maybe something that just comes in on that? Yeah. Sometimes I think that. Is it worth, tr- is it worth trying to salvage? Sometimes, but it becomes a long process and it could take forever and then you've contaminated your other plants. So I don't know. I well, don't think so. Kat, we have to go. Thank you so much for joining oh, us this you. morning. I just want to remind you one more time, pregame show for today's Great Cup will kick off at 2 and the actual kickoff is at 4. So you've been listening to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Pam Hunter. Thanks for joining me. Merle Coombs will be back with you next weekend. This is Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR.